Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Philosopher's Stone podcast yet again. How the fuck are you guys? I can't believe you're still listening. Just kidding. Love you. <laughs> it's me, your host, Jordan James and Gabriel Strauss, and him, Sam. How you doing? Good, good, very good. Gabriel, wow, I don't think I knew the G was for Gabriel. Yeah, it is. I don't know. I didn't really use it lots because a lot of people would take advantage of the first syllable of that word. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I kind of I started to, I turned it from uh, Gabriel to just G because I I just nothing against the LGBTQ community, but I just identify more as a G than a gay. But real, you know what I mean. You have to take whatever measures you can to protect yourself when you're growing up as a adolescent boy. Like, oh, I know it's, ab- <laughs> it's an absolute free for all shit bloodbath every day. High school as a young man is literally fighting for your life verbally, if not physically, every day. <laughs> oh my god, the shit that was said, like just in like elementary school, but. I was never, I mean, people are never meaner than they are when they're in like middle school. I swear to God. No, no, I agree. It's like that, that is the meanest point of your life. I can't, sometimes I think of some of the stuff that was said to me and I said to other people and I was, I'm just, I'm flabbergasted at that, that I would allow that to come out of my mouth. But you know how it is, man. You're just full of semen and, and, and vinegar at that time. So all you know is that you want to eat, kill and fuck. And that's that. The fact that you don't hurt anyone for the most part is uh, is just a miracle, a minor miracle. Um, and you as don't Jesus come true. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> hey, you guys. As long as you don't kill anyone in your <laughs> teen years, you're good. Because um, you know, God knows you can't fuck because you have no personal skills at all. No, nothing is <laughs> nothing about you is attractive to the opposite sex at that age unless yeah. you're like naturally good looking yeah um but uh confidence have none insecurities have all of them and that all just manifests in uh, a bunch of young boys calling each other gay lord for about seven years straight um, yeah yeah or whatever ethnicity you are they just dig into that yeah maybe that was just the christian school Oh no, that was true at the uh, uh, that was true at the public elementary school and the public middle school that I went to in the states as well. Probably worse. Oh, well, there say. you go. It's more of an age thing than a uh, than a um, I don't know public versus private sector thing. Yeah, indoctrination. Um, although I think nowadays it's probably a lot easier to get away with the uh, off color humor at the Christian school than the public school because uh, <laughs> isn't that ironic? They still hold some very <laughs> old school views about some things at the Christian school. Uh, yeah, that's so ironic. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, Sam, you gave me homework to do. Actually, oh, yeah. Is did there anything you, you uh Yeah, I did, man. I, I got home from camp I got home from camping yesterday and I had been in the it was like 23 degrees where I was Holy camping. Shit. Like global warming to the dome for all day and I was just putting back the coolers I was drinking <laughs> and I was I was really just exposed to way more sun than I should be at this time of year. And mm. so when I got back from camping I was so tired like so I started the movie Sam assigned me a movie to watch and I had to take a 3 hour nap right in the middle of it. 
awesome. So, <laughs> so it was really like there might be some parts that I, I'm a little hazy about because I was just That's struggling cool. to stay awake. But I did watch it and uh, it was good. I did like it. I enjoyed it. There was some things that uh, it did that I hadn't seen in a horror movie before, but there was also some stuff that was very uh, hereditary light about it. Mm. Okay, so we, we can like save some of the specific stuff. We could do like a spoiler section like later on. We could talk about some So what, we're going to do things. the first bit? So the movie's called The Empty Man. You got to rent it on Amazon Prime. That's what I did anyways. Yeah. Um, so what are we going to do? We're going to try and avoid spoilers for the first bit of this? Like we can, I think, um, yeah. Yeah, we, maybe we should try to avoid like some some spoilers, but we can talk more about like the the philosophical aspects of it. And then later we can... Yeah, like, I mean, we still got to put a, a spoiler, spoiler alert in the, uh, yeah. in the uh, description of this episode, I feel like. You know what? Let's not even try to avoid spoilers because it's, I'm going to spoil something and then people are going to be pissed, right? All okay, of our yeah. hundreds yeah. of listeners. So That's true. we need to just... This, is a, this whole episode is going to have spoilers for the movie The Empty Man, which is like, whatever. You guys... If you, if, Pause it, go watch it, then listen yeah, to this. Yeah, pause it, go watch it, and then, and then listen. Yeah. Or listen to this and then go fucking watch it. I don't care. But yeah, whatever you want to do. You're going to enjoy this episode most if you uh, pair it. It pairs, this episode pairs Ooh. nicely with the movie The Empty Man. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's a pair. It's like a, it's like a, it's a Ciroc mixed with that dude's liver from Silence of the Lamb or whatever. Shiraz. Chianti. Uh, Chianti, yeah. <laughs> You can smell your liver, which is, uh, isn't that just a, yeah. like, I don't want someone to be able to smell any of my organs. That's just something I realize about myself right now. From, yeah, that'd be, a, that'd be a remarkable sense of smell. I wonder if dogs can smell your organs. Dogs can, apparently. They can smell like cancer what? in you. Yeah. Oh my, Jesus Christ. What do they see with their nose? Like, holy yeah, they have like x-ray vision <laughs> with their nose. It's like another world. My cat, I don't know, man. I, I think my cat, he would happily be able to detect cancer but not let you know about it you know what i mean oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd be on your deathbed being like what the hell you knew the whole time and there he would be like i didn't know that you would give a fuck you know what i'm saying <laughs> like see ya see ya oh yeah anyways <laughs> so spoiler this is your official spoiler alert for the movie the empty man on amazon prime um sam tell me Tell me about it. All right. So this, I can't remember where I heard about this movie, but for somehow this movie sort of got on my radar and people are saying like, this is an underrated horror movie and it's not getting the attention it deserves. When was and, it made? I, Cause Oh man, it's brutal. Let me when, look when up was the it? IMDb. Okay. Um, but it was released in 2020, but it, uh, when it was first, like when they first made it, it was made before the pandemic came out, I believe. And, yeah. Um, it was the uh, pandemic came out. Yeah, before the pandemic dropped. <laughs> before they dropped the pandemic. Before Bat released its new album, straight out of Wuhan. <laughs> straight um, out of Wuhan, the hottest album of the year. <laughs> Shut down the economy. It was so banging. <laughs> it crashed the global economy. Yeah. yeah. Um. So this, uh, it got. Um, it eventually got like an opening weekend release, but when it was originally put out, it was like it was going to be dumped to like straight to DVD because the audiences just didn't really like it for some reason. Um, really? 
So yeah, it was it was on track to be to like disappear, and you're never gonna like see this movie actually. Well, I will say it did have a kind of a lowish budget vibe to it when I first mm-hmm. started watching it. Like, I could tell that this wasn't like a major studio, or was it? I don't even know. I didn't look it up. Um, n- Boom Productions. It was called. No, yeah, it's based on a graphic novel. A graphic novel series. Okay. Yeah. So I did. I did get like a. It. It felt like it would have been. It was kind of really like, sort of a behind the times production value wise. Maybe I would say that why way. Maybe I don't know. For me, I would have thought it came out like five, six years ago. Yeah, I'd say that's that's probably accurate. Yeah, it clearly didn't have a huge budget. Like it didn't have a ton of like production value or special effects. Like the special effects that are in it are very limited. Like there's maybe only one CGI thing in the whole movie and you barely ever yeah. see it. Which yeah, is cool. which is how I, it I should be. That. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this movie that this movie like made me really uh, realize that how unsettling having like 20 fingers on one hand is. <laughs> <laughs> if you hadn't realized it. <laughs> be- this movie will really drive it home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one extra digit is weird enough. You're like, Ugh, don't touch me or talk to me. But 20 on one hand, it's a problem. Yeah. It's a fucking it's a problem lot. immediately. Um, I'll, I'll, read the, uh, I'll read the synopsis. This is the synopsis for the graphic novel, which is probably better, better than the one for the movie. But here's the synopsis. Okay. It's been one year since the first reported case of the empty man disease, and no drug has been able to slow its progress. The cause is unknown, and the symptoms include fits of rage, hideous hallucinations, suicidal dementia, followed by death or a near-lifeless, empty state of catatonia. As murder cults rise nationwide, the FBI and CDC enter a joint investigation of the empty man, hoping to piece together clues to stop the cult and uncover a cure. Okay, that's like not the same as the movie, but like similar. Like, yeah. Was the, was the main was there a main character in the graphic novel? Because this this is the movie's all about that ex cop, yeah, like going on his own solo detective mission. Yeah, I think the uh, like I can't actually buy the first edition of the graphic novel; it's completely sold out. It looks like, huh. but um, the uh, the main character is the I think it's still the girl, um, from the movie Melissa was her name, I think. Amanda. Amanda. Yeah. Um, but but um, that also makes it sound like that it's more of like an apocalyptic scenario happening. Yeah. Uh, like this, whereas this the movie, the movie yeah, makes sorry. it seem kind of local and like underground. Yeah. The sense I got was that the graphic novel starts sort of in the middle of things when like the empty man thing has been going on for a while and it's getting really out of hand. Right. Whereas the movie is starting like at the very initial outbreak sort of of the empty man disease. Ah, I see, I see. That's what I got. That was my that's my takeaway from it. Anyway. That's your hot take? That's my hot take. <laughs> but I won't actually know that until I read the graphic novel, which I definitely am gonna do as soon as it's available. Yeah, because in the movie, no one really like very few people are even familiar with the phrase the empty man, right? Whereas that that synopsis makes it seem like it's like national, international news kind of like COVID it is right now yeah like everybody knows about it yeah 
Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, but so the movie's a little bit. It's more of like a a detective movie, essentially detective horror movie, thriller. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't say there was too many like straight straight up horror elements to it. No, it wasn't. It's not like a. uh, It's not like a jump jump scare kind of movie, and I found that the the horror elements, like the thing people see that they think is like a monster, but actually it's like a hallucination that's taking over their own brain. I thought that yeah. was actually kind of like the weakest element in the movie, like in terms of the horror. Yeah, it, it was. I will say that the first time you see the the in the what people are imagining as this like entity that I thought was the empty man at the beginning. Mm-hmm. The very first time where the woman is spoiler, where the woman is. Uh, at the cabin in the blizzard, and can see someone out there, like in the in the blizzard, that silhouette. Yeah, do you remember that part? That was terrifying. That to me was like one of the scariest shots of the whole movie, which was cool yeah. because it was in broad. It was during a blizzard, but it was like bright out. It's like it was. Uh, it was more using like the obscurity of the snow to like make you like squint and be like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah. And then throughout the movie, the more I saw of it, I was less and less scared of it mm-hmm. yeah not that that's not that it's really the movie doesn't really hinge on that thing too much it's more of a like just a symbolic thing yeah it's a yeah it's a lot more of a slow burn it's a lot more of a cult movie really than a monster. yeah it is well that's where a lot of the similarities to hereditary came in for me oh okay yeah i'm interested in that what did you notice well, so at the end of the, the Empty Man, you realize that he is essentially a vessel for this ancient being, right? Right. That this cult is worshiping. Right. And that's exactly what the son in Hereditary ends up being at the end. Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah. He becomes the, the body. And it's all this. And these cult members are the ones behind all the weird shit happening to him and. Uh, I don't know. There was just a lot of similarities near the end that I was like, "That's a lot of hereditary." But it was—I wasn't mad at that. I, it was—it was a completely different movie, but there was elements that were very much the same. Mm. Okay, yeah, I think I—I I, I think I forgot like like how hereditary ends. The hereditary at the end. Yeah. Well, how did that end? Movie end. Spoiler alert for hereditary. Now this is a spoiler within a spoiler podcast. So the Russian doll of spoilers. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> So at, at the end of Hereditary, and honestly, this part of Hereditary wasn't even like, they could have completely left it out and it would still be an amazing, amazing movie in my opinion because it's kind of just like, it's an explanation they use at the end, but you really didn't need it because it was just so scary even without the explanation. Mm. But Hereditary is like the, there's a cult that is summoning this like demon and the demon needs a body to, live in right which ends up being the sun at the end um which is very similar to uh the man the main character an empty man becoming the empty man in order for the ancient entity to embody him right so yeah. that and the, and then the cult is like the one that's pulling all the strings for for this thing that's the very same thing that's happening in hereditary but yeah other than that they're vastly different movies. So it's not like they're not like I didn't get any sort of, oh, this just copied hereditary or vice versa. 
No, and I think it's like, yeah, I, I can't think, like I can think of other movies where um, a, like a cult or a society is trying to summon their sort of like dark lord figure and they need that's essentially all cults in every movie. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah, trying to like, summon something. Rosemary's baby. Yeah, like lots of lots of that. But uh in Hereditary, is the cult if I felt like you didn't really know about the cult at all until like the very end of the movie. The cult is like, yeah, it doesn't become clear that it's even a cult thing until the end. Yeah. Whereas this movie is like the cult becomes pretty you learn about the cult pretty quickly. Yeah, so it's it's pretty interesting. Um, so maybe we should give a brief explanation of like how the how the movie starts. Yeah, and like sort of what uh, and then what happens after that. So the movie starts with this group of hikers in Bhutan in the nineties. Bhutan is a very isolated mountainous country in like Southeast Asia near Tibet. Very high mountains. Very Buddhist. Mm-hmm. Country. I will say the the opening sequence of this movie was probably one of the more terrifying parts of the movie, like overall. Oh I, yeah, I thought it was one of the best sequences. It was a great hook, and it was like a ten minute intro to, or no, longer than that. I feel like it's like almost twenty minutes long. I think. Yeah, and it only mildly connects to the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's sort of like the uh, if the the if the COVID outbreak started with some bat in a cave in China. Yeah. Then the empty man pandemic starts with a weird alien skeleton in a cave in Bhutan. <laughs> with way too many fingers. That skeleton was fingers. fucking creepy. <laughs> oh my God, it was so scary. Yeah, so there's this group of hikers. They're hiking. They get up to like this sort of... As they're hiking up, they uh, get to a road and this truck with a bunch of Buddhist monks drives by. And the monks, I thought, sort of gave them like a dirty look, kind of like, what are you doing here? And so it did them, seem like they were mean mugging them a little bit. Yeah. And I think it's because a lot of the, the mountains in those countries, like Tibet and Bhutan, like they consider the mountains to be like these sacred places where people shouldn't go. Right. So I got the sense that like the old horror trope where like the group of hikers is like going to the cabin in the woods and they stop at the gas station. And the guy's like, Oh, you shouldn't be going there. It's it's a haunted place and blah, blah, blah. I yeah. Like you kind of got that of vibe, but just with a look. Yeah. The look. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they don't, they don't heed that warning and they carry on up the, up the mountain and they get to this bridge. And this bridge actually has a lot of significance, which we can get to later. But um, they're sort of worried about crossing this bridge, but one of them, uh, says like, nah, don't worry about it. And he runs across. And so the rest, they follow him over the bridge. And then they get up to like this very beautiful area with this incredible vista where they're like, they're at like eye level with a thunderstorm on the other side of this valley. It's just a beautiful shot. Incredibly beautiful shot. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then the same guy who heard, who was like all gung ho to cross the bridge. He like seems to hear something. That none of the none of the others hear, and they are like debating about whether or not they should turn back because of the storm. And meanwhile, he's like starting to wander off because he hears something, and they're like calling to him. And then he just takes a step and just drops off the screen. Terrifying. Yeah, it's it was like an optical illusion as to where he was walking. Like he, he wouldn't be able to see that there is like a cr- crevasse there. Exactly. Yeah, because the rocks kind of 
camouflage it, you wouldn't be able to notice it till you're like right over top of it. And he probably was just like, he was like kind of looking up, trying to listen to this sound. Yeah. It sounded like you find out later that it's kind of like the sound that you hear when you blow into a bottle, but mm-hmm. at the yeah. time you don't notice that. Yeah. And uh, so his friend like runs over and like finds this crevasse that like, yeah, it's like a really sinister crevasse. Like if you're not paying attention, you're going to fall into it. And then, uh, so they decide they're going to go down and get him. Well, first of all, they call out to him and they don't oh. hear a response from him. Yeah, yeah. They call out. There's just utter silence. No response. So one of them repels down into this hole and he's not there at the bottom. At that point, I'm like, yeah, that kind of made me, I was like, he would be right at the bottom there if he was injured or knocked out, but He's not. Yeah. So the guy has to walk like into this cave a little bit. And that's when I'm starting, like the hair starts going up on the back of my neck. Like he should have responded or he would have been knocked out right at the bottom, but he's not. He's not. <laughs> and yeah. And so he goes in a bit deeper and he sees this guy sitting in like the lotus position at the feet of this weird demented skeleton with like, it's like a bit bigger than a normal human. It, oh, like, I'd say it was like at, twice as big as a normal human. Yeah, it's got these huge ten fingers on each, ten or twenty fingers on each hand, and he's just sort of sitting there, just catatonic. And um, and eventually, of course, like they have, they have to haul haul him out of there and everything. And they're like, they're going down the mountain. The storm is coming in. They're gonna die. So they find this cabin, and they go into the cabin, and uh, they're gonna try again in the morning. And then there's this really creepy moment, which is also a significant moment. But in the middle of the night when everyone's asleep, there's this shot of the guy. He wakes up out of his cat- catatonic state and starts whispering into the ear of that was one of the other hikers. Really disturbing that shot because it it doesn't sound like whispering. It sounds like you know what? It's, it's it was hard to. I don't even know how to replicate the sound. I, it sounds but, like. Uh, it sounds like it's people talking, but you can't hear what they're saying. All you can hear is sort of the sound of their tongue. The and clicking their, of like, like certain syllables. Yeah. It sounds like a that. whisper that a whisper that you can't, but there's no English happening. There's no words. It's sort of like a clicking gibberish sort of sound. Yeah. Um, and anyway, the next day, um, the person that he whispered to, they're, they're at this sort of this moment and um, he suddenly starts making that clicking sound again. And the person that he whispered to like suddenly becomes like a zombie and stabs the other two hikers and then slits her own throat and falls off a crevasse. And then he just sits down in the lotus position and starts blowing over the rim of an empty bottle. (laughs) Actually, at that point, it was a bit of bone that he's blowing into. Oh, it was a bone. Oh, my God. Yeah. Also, I don't remember her slip. She stabs... The one hiker, oh, yeah, she yeah, falls she off the cliff. Her. She just kind of looks at him and he looks at her and then she just walks to the other edge of the cliff and like trust falls off of it to her death. Yeah. Without anyone. So that's like the opening of the movie. Yeah. And I thought like, because as they're all dying, I'm like, hey, how are these not the main characters? Because we are like at this point, 20 minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, it's not until that scene's over that the title screen shows up. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, and then um, and then it cuts ahead like twenty years or something, um, in time. Is it really day. that long? 
It's a yeah, I think it's a pretty long cut. Well, because the guy at the end in the hospital bed is that that initial hiker that like was possessed yeah, originally. The initial possessed guy, yeah. And he, and they say that he, the and he looks old, way older at when they see him in the hospital. So yeah, yeah. I guess it is a big jump. Big jump. Um and then yeah, and Anyways, then it cuts ahead to so, like this so, other characters, but whatever. Obviously, we can't just go through the entire movie scene for scene. Uh, no, but we have to talk, talk about that intro scene because it's just so okay. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it was it was probably one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Uh, there were a lot of good ones though. So what? I want to talk to. I want to ask you about why all there was. There's sig- very big, significant. Actually, you find out near the end why, but. Bridges were like a big thing in the movie. Mm. Yeah, so I did some reading about this, and the I, I did some research, and I, which means the IMDb trivia page. Yeah, but um, I got some good uh, good info about bridges in this movie. So the cult in this movie, the Empty Man's Cult, is called yeah. the Pontifex Society. Pontifex Institute. Yeah. Now Pontifex. And this is basically quoting from the IMDb trivia page. But pontifex is a word used to refer to a high order of priests in Rome. It can also be literally translated to mean bridge maker or a man who huh. negotiates with God. The pontifex institute in the film echoes these motifs. They act as priests who call the empty man. They build the legend of the empty man around bridges and they receive messages from the empty man like he is a God. The hiker who can hear the call of the empty man in the beginning of the film is the only member of his group unafraid to cross the chain bridge over the valley. This foreshadows how he is the one chosen by the empty man to be a bridge himself. Also, the main character's family dies by crashing a car off a bridge, but you don't find that out until the very end of the movie. Yeah, and uh, exactly. And there's like the the kids that we meet, like the the girl. Yeah, the teenagers that they ended up, they get possessed and hang themselves under a bridge. Yeah, and because they're all like, they all believe this urban legend where you take an empty bottle and you go to a bridge and you blow in the empty bottle and that will call the empty man. And it's sort of like an urban legend, sort of Mm -hmm. stranger things type of thing. What I didn't understand was why some people seem to end up killing themselves after they they call the empty man and some end up becoming like high ranking cult members like i don't understand yeah. because like later on when you actually get to the cult you see like people that have obviously been a part of it for a while and they're meditating in front of blank posters and they're like <laughs> there's like a society around this whole empty man concept so i'm assuming a lot of them have called the empty man or or like believe in it but they're not out there killing themselves or hanging themselves under a bridge or or, or anything or stabbing people mm-hmm. so I, I don't know if they made any like distinction as to why some people are gonna like kill themselves and some people are like because I don't know did, like the high school kids like the main girls friends were they a part of the cult officially, or were they just being like possessed by the empty man, or like pursuit? Like, it's, there was some confusing stuff because obviously they're halluc- they all hallucinate that the empty man's coming to get them, 
and the empty man's going to kill them, right? Yeah. And so when they are visualizing the empty man, this ghoul thing, this hallucination is killing them, really is just them killing themselves, but they don't think, they believe they're getting killed. Sometimes it's like that. And other times, like hanging themselves, when all those kids hang themselves, it's like, were they also believing that they were being chased by this thing? Or did they do it willingly in like a catatonic state? Well, I, well, this is why I want to read the graphic novel because I feel like the graphic novel has it can explore these questions a lot better than the movie can. Because the yeah. movie we're, li- we're pretty we're limited to the detective's perspective, and he doesn't know anything. So we we basically know almost nothing about this cult. That's true. But um, but the what I thought was like the most interesting about this movie was sort of the like the philosophical aspects of it. Specifically, when he goes, when the detective goes to the Pontifex Institute's sort of like a orientation seminar thing, it's yeah. I thought that was that was my favorite uh, aspect of the movie, where he's ex- like exploring their headquarters. Right. So the guy that's giving like the intro speech, yeah, when he goes up and talks to them to him, so the detective goes up and talks to this like kind of what you can assume is like a higher ranking cult member who like is one of the initial people that draws people into the cult. He describes the empty man in a way that I forgot. It was, it was a highly phys- philosophical viewpoint on what the empty man was, but I can't quite remember. Yeah. Like I said, I was uh, like stoned and trying to stay awake for parts of this movie. Don't worry, Jordan. I prepared. Oh, thank fuck. Because <laughs> I never do prepare for this podcast. And it's really weighs on me sometimes. <laughs> all right so before we talk about what that guy said i have to like the so they go in, right so he goes into this institute and the first thing that you do is you get this like questionnaire and it's like mm-hmm. a true or false questionnaire and the statements in this true or false questionnaire are just hilarious yeah or, they're not hilarious but you read it and you're like oh shit this is like uh whatever this place is is this is not a place for healthy people to be yeah what were like, some so of the like, questions true, I, I remember reading some of them and be like these are so odd like yeah i want to uh, remember the brain can itch true or false the brain can itch well they mentioned that a few times in the movie about your brain itching yeah um and then social was, and moral norms should be destroyed that was another one there was a few um, other weird ones like uh my favorite was a civilization has not served its purpose until it has collapsed Right, I remember that one. That's that's an awesome one. <laughs> they're just so like they're such an they're like whoever wrote them clearly has like a totally anti perspective to almost everything that yeah you know, human society revolves around, which is great. And then and then he gets into like the inner the next phase of your of your like orientation with this Pontifex society. It's like going to Scientology. Like first you get a questionnaire. Then yeah. they take you to the next stage. You hold on to the little rods or whatever. Right? So yeah. he makes it through to the next stage. And so this guy, the speaker, he articulates actually like a pretty clear philosophy. And as we'll see, a lot of parallels with Buddhism and Taoism in this, uh, okay. in this guy's speech. So the speaker, he's saying that, you know, everyone in the world, your problem, you have all these problems. And why do you have all these problems? Well, it's because people are always trying to make themselves bigger, more possessions, more money, more friends, more networks. People are trying to take up more space. Right. But instead, he says, 
We should try to make ourselves smaller. We should take up less space. And so, which is like really kind of creepy. But um, so what does it mean to make yourself smaller and take up less space? Well, you could do it physically by relinquishing possessions. Yeah. But you can also do it internally. Take up less space in your own mind. Ourselves, Ah. right? That is your appetites, your desires, your perceptions, your thoughts, your feelings. They take up your individuality, even your individuality. Yeah, like like your sense of self, uh, like your personality takes up space. Mm -hmm. Your ambitions and your your wants and your feelings, your emotions all take up space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and at this point, it's like. At, at this point where he's saying like, hey, make yourself smaller, that's pretty close to Buddhism, which right. is about relieving suffering by denying um, the self. But one thing that I thought was interesting is that this is sort of the first clue, if, if you hadn't had enough clues already, but like that this isn't a, a cult about making you happy. Um, <laughs> there's no suggestion that doing what he's saying is going to break a cycle of reincarnation, achieve nirvana or anything like that. Um, he just seems to want to make people small in their own head. Mm-hmm. Um, like an ego death. Well, isn't that what, what, like, what he would describe as becoming an empty person? There's nothing yeah, in you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and there's a parallel with Taoism right there. Taoism thinks, right, like you have to be, there's this sort of way that things are, and you have to be receptive to that. And your ego will prevent you from being receptive to just going with the flow. Right. So in Taoism, there's this quote that says, to the mind that is still, the whole universe surrenders. The usefulness of a pot comes from its emptiness. Empty your mind of everything, let your mind become still. And so that's a direct tie-in with the empty man, right? How do you summon the empty man? You breathe over an empty bottle. So it's like a parallel. Right. But also that the, the the usefulness of a pot is 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 that it's empty, but that's only useful because it can then be filled, right? Exactly. There's nothing useful about an empty pot if it's never to be filled. And what's going to fill your emptiness after you're empty? The empty well, man, and that's the first contradiction. There's a bunch of contradictions in the empty man's philosophy. Well, I thought that the main character was the empty man. Because they needed someone completely empty for the entity to inhabit it. Oh, okay. Well, the empty man is not the the possessed hiker. The possessed hiker is like a he's a bridge. And the empty man is some sort of entity. And the way they described it was I won't the way he described like the like the cosmology of it is that when you have a nightmare you're watching a documentary. And the idea is that your consciousness is like another space. Right. Like another dimension sort of. And when you dream, you're sort of entering into this space. And in this consciousness space, there's no physical distances. So entities on the other side of the universe, they're in the same space when you're dreaming, right? And they can find you. Right. And they're saying that it's not just... Just human consciousness that share the space. It's like consciousness is from across the universe through all spans of time, too. Exactly. So, like ancient alien consciousnesses are also in that space. Exactly. And so the em- the empty man is like this sort of 
sort of like a it's, it seems like a sort of like a Lovecraftian kind of old old god type of thing. Yeah. Um, and the like the conduit on Earth is that skeleton in Bhutan. So if anyone, if, if a person who is receptive to the Empty Man, who can be a bridge, sort of stumbles upon that um, skeleton, then they're gonna invite the Empty Man back into our physical space. See, I misunderstood that then because I thought the empty man was the vessel that the entity could step into, essentially. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that that could be true as well. I'm not sure. So, because because okay, this is where I get like the movie. I really got confused a little bit. Is that the main character, the the detective? They the cult. One of the cult members, who's also one of the main, kind of a main character, the the girl he's been looking for the whole movie, who joined the cult, mm-hmm. she explains to him that the cult created the detective from scratch with the power of thought, and that his memories and everything that's happened to him in his life was all planned out to the T by the cult, including like his family being killed and all that stuff, and the affair he had. I couldn't understand if that stuff never actually happened and they just put those memories in his head or if they act, they actually happened, but it was all planned out because there's that scene where he's like naked in the chair and they keep on saying in the, in the cult that uh, intention plus thought plus time equals flesh as if they conjured him up and he wasn't actually born naturally that he was like, they like built him with their thoughts or some mm. shit. Do you remember that part? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't, I guess that makes sense. They, they needed a new conduit and they hadn't been able to find one. They needed a new empty man for, yeah. for the entity to get into. Cause the, the old guy, the hiker from the beginning was getting old and his body was dying. Yeah. Yeah. So they needed like a new, so I, I think like, that's another thing the movie didn't, really seemed to explore that enough for me. Like it didn't really give a lot of answers about how that happened. So that would have been, that would have been nicer to see more information about that. Yeah. Cause at the end I'm like either he, his, all of his memories of his family and life are not true fa- memories. So he's kind of like a fucking yeah. blade runner type scenario or everything did happen, but it was all planned out to the T cause that's kind of what the girl alludes to. Mm-hmm. That they planned it all out, and then at the very end of the movie, he, the main character, gets like put under a trance or something, and kills, or he gets overtaken by the entity, right? And then he ends up killing the old guy in the hospital bed. Yeah. So that to me says that he was the empty man that the, that the entity could now inhabit. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. But I don't know if that's what they intended with it. You got to read this graphic novel. We need to get answers. Yeah, I know it's it's the first issue. The first issue sold out, so I'm trying to find it. But uh, there was another good um, explanation that the uh, the speaker got into, like the after class, after school special. He like gave him a, his own private lecture, sort of. Yeah. And uh, so the one thing he mentioned it was really it was a really good example of this, but. So he started talking about this phenomenon where, you know, you say 
a word, you say your name, and if you say your name enough times, eventually it starts to lose meaning and it just sort of sounds like gibberish. Yeah. And this is a, this is a psychological phenomenon called semantic satiation. So this occurs when you hear a word, a neuron pattern fires in your brain and it connects the sensory organ area of your brain with the area of your brain that deals with language and meaning. Mm-hmm. So this pattern, so you hear your name and the neuron pattern fires and it connects that sense to that meaning. And this, and if you repeat this over and over and over again, eventually that neuron will become exhausted and it will, and it won't, it'll resist firing. Really? And so what'll, yes. And so what happens is you start hearing this word, but the pattern doesn't fire and it doesn't connect to the language and meaning area. So Whoa, that is bizarre. It sounds like just a word, right? So, I mean, I'd, I've always, I didn't know that there was an actual like physical, biological reason why that happened <laughs> for some reason. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that, that's what it is. I, I looked it up after because I was like, yeah, like why, why does that happen? Is the empty man real? But no, <laughs> it's, uh, it's semantic satiation. But so this, uh, so this guy says like, in the movie, he says, you can have this effect, not just with a single word, but you can have this effect with entire sentences, entire books, entire philosophies, entire bodies of thought. Huh. So it sounded to me like they put people through like some sort of, they put like their acolytes through like some ultra semantic satiation torture until they've made the entire human language just sound like utter gibberish or something. Interesting. Maybe that's the whispering that's going on. <laughs> yeah. But so then he's like, so he's, so his argument is like, um, if underneath all of our meaning is this gibberish, what is more fundamental, the meaning or the gibberish? And he's saying the gibberish is what's really sort of the fundamental thing at the basis of all reality. And that's what the empty man is, this sort of gibberish, this anti-meaning force that sort of destroys meaning. Yeah, like the, he called it like the dark, dark chaos, or the one kid called it like the dark, infinite chaos. Yeah. Remember the one the one cult member kid that he likes kidnaps to try to get answers from? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so th- and then that that ties in a lot actually with stoicism. Um because the speaker he's saying there's no such thing as disunity and he says in the beginning everything was one and everything shall be one again. And that's a lot like stoicism which held that in the beginning everything is this formless unified substance until the divine fiery breath breathes across it the divine breath sort of like blowing over the empty bottle yeah the divine breath so and then in the stoic thinking there's no empty space in the entire universe right everything is unified into one continuous matter right which is what they were describing with that consciousness realm where everything is like there's no distance between anything or any any consciousness out there exactly but in the in the stoicism, the only thing that distinguishes one body from another body isn't the space between them; it's the internal forces within each body. Right. So in the stoic thinking, if there was one body with an external force that could overcome the internal forces or extinguish the internal forces of all other bodies, then it would just sort of keep expanding and absorbing everything into itself until gradually the universe just turned into one single thing. And it seemed like that's what the empty man sort of is. It's like this thing that expands by invading other people's minds. Right. Until everyone's mind is just filled with the same thing, the empty man. Yeah, it is a, uh, 
it was a it was a strange film. I'll put it, I'll say that much. Yeah, there was a lot of creepy shit. Like there was also some stuff that I didn't really think added to the movie much. Like that whole scene with the the cult members running around the fire. It was a creepy image for sure, but I don't know what it meant. Mm-hmm. I took that as like I took that as sort of a manifestation of what it would look like if a bunch of people who had been through all of this crazy like meditation torture Mm -hmm. and have completely like lost their minds so that all of them are sort of being, I don't know, they're all sort of being worn like a glove that the empty man has like put his hand in sort of. Right. Right. They're just sort of like this weird collective. Because there was, there's a lot of like, it's, it's so weird because like in that scene, all these cult members seem to be working together to accomplish a goal. But in other scenes, people that become like possessed or whatever by the empty man seem to hurt themselves or kill themselves or mutilate themselves. Yeah. Um, and that seems, so I, I don't understand why I don't understand why, like some of the people became like vessels for the empty man. Yeah. And then other people were essentially just killed themselves or, thought they were being killed, but are actually killing themselves. Yeah, I don't know. I hope there's like an explanation for that because it needs an explanation. Maybe it's just like certain people that resist too much get killed by the empty man, right? Yeah. And other people become like vessels for his cause. Yeah, it could, yeah, it could be, they could be sort of, the people that kill themselves and and whatnot, maybe they... Maybe the entity is using them to create the atmosphere of dread that is like a good precursor for making people susceptible to the empty man. Ah, well. But yeah, like it, it needs more explanation. Yeah. I mean, that one dude fucking, he like, there's that scene where he's like looking at the videotapes and shit that's happened at this camp and the guy like that gets like possessed or whatever by the empty man, like rips into his own stomach and uses his own like blood and and like gore to paint a picture of like the empty man or the silhouette of the empty man or something like that. Like that shit was fucking disturbing, but it didn't really I don't know why it was in there. Like I don't know what that meant. All the manifestation stuff. Oh. Yeah, they were trying to they're trying to like find the next bridge for the empty man, I think was the oh, idea. So is that like, what it was? They bring these people Yeah, so they bring after, so they bring people to this camp to like completely deprogram them and like try to get the empty man to get into their head. And so when the empty man starts to get in, they start going crazy and ripping their guts out and stuff. So is it possible to deprogram someone like that? Like to completely become like essentially empty vessels? Well, that's what we... Well, I think so, yeah. Like that's what we were talking about uh, when you were talking about um, the... Ella, who's, who's like the psychedelic therapy. Right. That idea of like causing like an ego death and then. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like that, but they're just like, instead of trying to heal people with it, they're like using it in a very violent, destructive way to like really destroy your personality. I wonder if you could, if like say someone did go on one of these like crazy LSD doses there, you completely lose your ego. Like at what moment like could could someone influence you in that state that will change you forever probably oh yeah probably like, charles manson what's his 
he that's what he did to his uh his followers they were like a cult but they he gave them like massive doses of lsd crazy and because they were just they were like they weren't like i don't like that was what was so crazy about his case was that the people who went and carried out these like extremely violent acts i don't think any of them had like any sort of violent criminal record or tendencies or anything before they met him Oh, man, LSD goes great with cults, hey? It's like hand in hand. If you need a cult, if you want a cult, you got to get yourself like a vat of LSD to get to really kick shit into overdrive, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it definitely seems to accelerate things. Uh, you can't really get people to do that just, just with weed, man. <laughs> no, it's not enough. <laughs> I've been completely saturated in THC, and I don't think that you could convince me to do anything other than freak out in my bed for a bit. Yeah, the thing about with the yeah cult, you need something a little more strong for a cult. Exactly. All right. Well, you guys should all go watch the Empty Man, and uh, maybe you can think of your own explanations for some of the stuff that happened there. Or if you want, oh, there was one more. Oh, sorry. No, go for it. There was one more, one more thing that was. It's like a perfect reference to Taoism. So at one point he's investigating the Pontifex Institute and he sees these like acolytes and they're sitting in front of this black glossy poster. Yeah. And there's this voice speaking through a, like a radio or something next to them. And it says, there is nothing. Even if there is something, it cannot be known. And even if it can be known, it cannot be communicated to others. And that is almost a direct quote from Taoism, which is, there's no such thing as correct Tao. Even if there is a correct Tao, the correct Tao can never be known. And even if the correct Tao can be known, it cannot be put into words or conveyed as guidance. Huh. Which is like straight up Taoism. They must have ripped that right out of there, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, if there is something that, if there is like the, a universal truth, you won't be able to understand it. <laughs> yeah. and But it's also interesting because we were talking about how a lot of these philosophies seem like they're great for making people conform and easy to be manipulated. And it's true that in Taoism, they say the best people are like water because they're the best. They're, they're able to just flow. Right. So it's almost like this empty man stuff is it takes, it picks all these elements out of like Taoism and Buddhism and puts them into what would a, like an evil malevolent entity with omnipotent power what would it use these elements to do? And the answer is it would use them to create death cults. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Taoism leads to death cults. Yeah. But that's, that's part of the contradiction, right? In that very sentence, it's saying there's nothing, even if there is something, it cannot be known. And even if it can't be known, it cannot be communicated. Mm -hmm. Well, you just communicated something that you claim can be known. So yeah, that's what makes me think whatever this entity is, it's cynical. Also, in that shot in the movie where they're all in front, because like all the teenage kids from the high school have that same poster in their room. Did you notice that? Oh, they all have that black glossy poster? That black glossy poster with the Pontifex logo barely visible in the bottom right. Uh... And at one point when the main character is looking at it, the gloss is in the shape of that alien skeleton. Like the reflective gloss what? is in the shape. So he was like staring at it and it's it like slowly you could start seeing that oh my God. skeleton in there. And you could and you could kind of see it when those when you saw those cult members like meditating in front of it too. Mm -hmm. Anyways, 
Yeah. And the, but the, the final, my favorite contradiction, right, is that it seems like the empty man has a purpose. Yeah. And this purpose is very ironic because the message that the Pontifex Institute is saying to everybody is make yourself smaller. And the reason you need to make yourself smaller is because the empty man is trying to expand. The empty man is yeah. trying to get bigger. So for the empty man to get bigger, you need to get smaller. Right. And that's like that's like the essence of the movie, I thought. So not only is he developing and encouraging death cults, he's a hypocrite too, which is way worse. Exactly. Yes. Way worse. He's a televangelist. What a dickhole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to empty a empty a clip into the empty man, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, speaking of unprompted violence and aggression, we have received an email. Oh boy! Oh dear! <laughs> from a what I now am going to declare as a rival podcast, the Back Table Comedy Podcast. Um, oh shit! Absolute pieces of work. The hosts of that podcast. You will not become enlightened. You will not gain any knowledge. You may be actually come out as a worse person after listening to their to their podcast. But they did write in to our our email. Uh, they do not have themselves an email to respond to. So the, the, uh, I know that they cowards. they listen to this episode. This is our this is their email. Okay, first of all, they really are big fans of you, Sam, which is like. I mean, hey, who who could not? Who could not? God. Okay, here's the email. It says, "Hello, philosophers who are stoned." (laughs) You see how you did there, asshole. (laughs) First time listener, long time caller. We are writing to you from the Chamber of Secrets, where we record our award-winning podcast, voted number one in Kelowna. That's true, by a bunch of other comedians. The Back Table Comedy Podcast. I did not vote for them. Just want to, just want to get that out there. <laughs> it's great to hear from Sam, who is as intelligent and as informed as Hermione Granger herself. <laughs> the way he explains complicated theory to us, simple muggles, is nothing short of magic. Keep up the good work. Oh, I will. So heavy on the Harry Potter references <laughs> um, because of the name of our podcast, I assume. Also because they're fucking nerds. Uh, Jordan, you buckbeak hippogriff. <laughs> Is that another Harry Potter reference? That's, that's hilarious. You buckbeak hippogriff looking motherfucker. These are people that consider themselves my friends, by the way. Uh, <laughs> remember when I said people are the most mean in high school? These people are still mentally in high school. So this explains a lot. <laughs> Stop smoking so much goddamn long bottom leaf. That's a. <laughs> just tossing in a fucking Lord of the Rings reference. It's not uh, mixed, mixed references. Yeah, mixed references. Not cool, dude. Not <laughs> professional at all. Stop smoking so much goddamn long bottom leaf that you maybe grasp a single thing Sam says. You never would have quit your day job delivering letters to the students. In brackets, you're an owl. I guess that's another Harry Potter reference. <laughs> Strider sucks. Dumbledore is gay. Alan Rickman rules. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Who's Strider? Awesome. I thought Strider was Lord of the Rings again. Aragorn. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. They're mixing their references. Oh, it's because I said I prefer Strider in my in the last episode. Ah, I see. <sighs> Those fuckheads. They really know Strider's how to get sense. under my get under my gills. Your gillyweed gills. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a fish now. I'm not a I'm not a bird anymore. Yeah. 
P.S. Josh says your face looks like a cunt. <laughs> oh my god. Then it says it's a little harsh, but that's what he said. Love you. Sent from my iPhone. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Wow. Those are our main competition in this town. Hey, I'm glad we're getting we're getting attention from the number one podcast in Kelowna. I'd say that's a win. That is a win. You know, controversy <laughs> sells. Obviously, they feel a little threatened with our success, Sam. I would say so. Yeah. How the tables have turned. Well, that's our official response to you guys is fuck you. Uh, you have anything else to Sam? To Sam? <laughs> do, you have, do you have anything else to Sam? Sam. Um, the Empty Man. Go watch it. Go watch it. And uh, to the guys at the philosophy, at the uh, back table comedy podcast, I think you both are empty men, um, <laughs> heart, soul, and mind. So uh, that's how I feel. And uh, also go search through their catalog and find the episodes that I'm on because they're the only ones worth listening to. So <laughs> gotcha, bitch. <laughs> All right, that's it. That's our podcast for the week. You can write in yourself. Please be, uh, you know, a little bit more kind, maybe. Uh, the TPS Podcast 420 at Gmail. Uh, not the TPS, just TPS Podcast 420 at gmail.com. Uh, and also, if you guys wouldn't mind, write into Andrew Crone 777 at Gmail and tell him he's got a, just a millimeter <laughs> Peter. <laughs> Anything to add, Sam? Uh, nope. I'm, I'm a very professional uh, podcaster. Very professional. It's not the backup I needed out of you, but okay. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you very much. Peace.